Hello and welcome to week six of the Punt Return Podcast. Uh, this is Joshua and I'm joined as always by Nick Splitter and James Rosewarn. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. I, uh, I think, uh, this tweet by Greg Rosenthal, I thought would be a good way to start, sums up the state of the NFL right now. He said the NFL was literally built to create parity. It's supposed to be hard for teams to be terrible, but there are four winless teams and four, uh, and four more with just one win. So there's a big sort of, uh, shift, I guess, in terms of talent in the NFL. And, and we'll get to the talking points in a little bit, but let's, uh, let's talk week five results. Lock of the week. We're now we're now in front on lock of the weeks. Arizona plus three uh, was a winner last week for us. They also won outright, so we're three and two on the locks this week. Um, and then Nick, I mean, let's just go to you. When you're hot, you're hot. Long shots. This is this is one of the great runs I've ever seen. It's one of the greatest runs I've ever had, if not the greatest run I've ever had. So I'm trying not to jinx it, but uh, we're going to try to keep it going. Yeah, and uh, I guess when you're hot, you're hot. I mean, Tyler Boyd, you had last week, 120 plus receiving yards. It looked. Looked dead for a lot of that game, and then he has eighty-four of those yards in their last two possessions for the for the Bengals. Yeah, so it it, it, yeah, it, was, it was never in doubt, really. <laughs> no, I was watching. I was watching that game, and about halfway through the last the, the fourth quarter, I was like, "Yeah, that's this is just not happening. This is it. It's over." Um, and I kind of turned it off, and then checked back, checked the score at the end, and I was like, "Hang on, what just happened there? Hang on a minute." Yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, we you know we we had a chat before the game. I said, "Mate, come on, just." 120 yards. That's, That's all, all you need. We need. Get going. And, and he said, yeah, cool, mate. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it for you. So, <laughs> and uh, we'll, um, we'll, ju- we'll jump ahead. You also had uh, Kittle uh, for 70 yards, uh, plus 70 yards at $1.90 is one of your other plays. He lands on exactly 70 <laughs> yards. Um, and and you, hit, you hit Zeke a couple of weeks time. ago at, yeah, 125 exactly. Exactly. I think it's, the, yeah, the second time, as you said, it's landed exactly on the mark. But, um, no, we've gotten a bit lucky, but yeah, uh, yeah we're going to try and hit Kittle again. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm still searching for my second long shot win. I did correctly mention, though, if people listened, that Thielen would have a huge day, um, and he did. Um, I said Nuke Hopkins would. I just got the wrong Texans receiver. I knew one of them was going to have a big game. Unfortunately, um, picked the wrong one. But James, Brian Burns, D-Roy, he's yeah, looking Bro- great. The Brian Burns show is continuing. He's really pretty much the most important member of that Carolina defense, which is Top ten DVOA, um, but Nick Bosa is emerging as well. For yeah, I was going to ask you, well. you worried yeah. about Bosa? I mean, on well, prime time, that was a massive, massive yeah, performance the, by him. The numbers are pretty much the same now, and you know he comes in with a bigger profile, and yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'm always loath to sort of bet on awards that are judged by panels and stuff like that. So yeah, that might work against Burns. It's a bit of a raffle in that respect, but the production's there, nothing yeah. else. I mean, Brian Burns is slightly less racist than uh, than Nick Bosa, so that's yeah, absolutely Exactly. Like, I can <laughs> this, take, the, take the moral high ground with the bet. Yeah, so. I mean, this this happened last year when I was on Leonard Fournette, uh, Leonard Fournette Darius <laughs> Leonard all year, and everyone was talking up uh, Leighton Vanderish, like, child, please, come on. It's Brian Burns at this point. Um, anyway... <laughs> Best, best results. Uh, I went two and one last week, uh, under 42 and a half, New England and Washington, and then uh, Arizona plus three. And then I had under 48 in the Tampa Bay New Orleans game. Um, I was on exactly 48, so it was a push, and then Tampa Bay got a garbage time touchdown with 13 seconds left. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, Nick, three and oh, we mentioned the Kittle, and then you uh, had Arizona as well, and then you had under 45 in Minnesota and uh, the New York Giants. So, uh, you're now. About time I hit on a couple of these kind of average lines. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm now nine and five on the season, and you're nine and seven because uh, we we split um, a couple of your line and total doubles up into two plays. So you've got a little bit more plays there, but yeah, we're both 
sitting well above uh, 500 there. And then, yeah, have we mentioned Brian Bird's a defensive rookie of the year for James? I mean, this is, we're just going to keep mentioning it. I think James likes Brian Burns, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah I like Brian Burns. <laughs> I do. I yeah, do. Uh, apply heat to uh, the Burns area. That's that's what we should be. That's the meme we should be dropping after every Brian Burns sack. Um, all right, let's let's talk biggest takeaways from week five. Uh, James, uh, start us off. What's what's your talking point? My talking point is how incredibly open the NFC is this year. You can make the argument that it's 12 deep. Um, Washington Giants, okay, they're both gone. Uh, probably can say the same for Arizona and potentially Detroit, oh, sorry, Atlanta. So you could then say there's 12 teams that are left. And for all of those teams, we're talking, you know, big, big positives and negatives for every team. So as, for as great as New Orleans, New Orleans are, you're a 4 1 team with a negative point differential. Um, and we'll see what happens when Breeze comes back as well into the lineup. I mean, that's a, you know, it's a small sort of, uh, fault, but wide open. Philly emerged last <laughs> week. Now Dallas is struggling. Rams are struggling. Yep. Seattle are flying. It's just, I've, you know, we're five weeks into the whole season. And we can't make heads or tails of the NFC. So that's wonderful for the league. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you, you say yeah. 12, 12 deep in the NFC, and then I'll, I'll use this to transition to, to Nick's point. We've got probably two deep <laughs> in the AFC um, in terms yeah. of the Chiefs, even though they lost last week, um, and the Patriots. And, Nick, this is this is your talking point for, for week for week five. Yeah, look, I, I was I was bullish on, on the Redskins last week. I thought they were kind of ripe for a bit of an upset and, and to – you know, it was a, it was a pretty big line. I think it was fifteen and a half or sixteen and a half points last week with the Pats, um, and and they didn't even get close. Um, this Pats team is one of the most even, um, one of the, probably the best Pats team we've seen in a very long time, if not ever. They just they have no weakness. Mm. Um, they're strong on every line, um, and and I thought that they might take it a bit easy last week, and they didn't. Um, and I just can't see I can't see a weakness in that roster. And is this the best Pats team that we've seen? Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of just use this to transition, I guess, into week six, and I'll, I'll double back to my week five takeaway when we talk about the 49ers and the Rams game in a little bit because I think they go hand in hand. Um, so the Pats, they rank fifth all time. By the way, this Thursday night football game, New York Giants at New England. New England are 16.5-point favorites. Uh, the total is 42. So the Pats rank fifth all time in best total DVO, DVOA ever measured through five games. Um, and they the Football Outsiders posted the top 12. They generally post the top 12 when they talk about these things. Every list on that 12 teams made a conference, at least made it to a conference championship game. So the Pats are on that list. We'll see where the 49ers rank after the, their game this week because they're through four games now ranked higher than the Pats were last week in terms of DVOA. So um, I think in terms of defense, this definitely is the best Patriots defense I think we've ever seen. Um, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, they're allowing 6.8 points a game. Um, and I think in terms of this game against the Giants, I think this could be like a 24 nil type scenario from this, from this game. I like the under 42 and a half. I think it's, uh, it's going to be an under pretty easily, but I have a horrible track record, um, betting on Thursday night football, even on player props. I think I, I cursed, uh, Brandon Cooks last week. I really liked his matchup and he got concussed and had like three targets. So tread lightly with my Thursday night football tips, but I agree with you, Jay, uh, Nick, that this is the best, uh, this is probably the best Pats defense we've ever seen. Yeah, it's, they're ridiculous at the moment. Um, it's, it's really hard to watch. I mean, we talk about the Pats every year. Um, they're always in it. They, they never really have a weakness, but this year they just, they're so even. Yeah. Um, Brady's like dominating. a game manager at the moment. Like he, 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 yeah, he was yeah. far from impressive against Washington, but he did the job yeah, and they absolutely. won. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And, 
And, you know, going going to this game, this Giants team is the opposite. They're just dreadful. Uh, you know, Danny Dimes' honeymoon period is, is well and truly over and, and they've just been decimated on offense. Uh, you know, no Barkley, no Gorman, the backup, uh, no Shepard, no Evan Ingram this week. Um, like you, I can see a, a shutout. I'm thinking 21, 24 nil, nil shutout. Um, and, and I like the, the Pats, um, 16 and a half point line here and also under 42 and a half. So I don't know if I'll take the double. I, pr- I probably will just because it's what I do. Um, you've been successful on the doubles this year. I, I have, I've been successful on the doubles this year. Um, but now that you've mentioned that, that you like it too and your track record on, Thursday night football, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, I like both those markets. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on the pass this week. All right, James, what, do you, what how are your thoughts on Thursday night football? Well, the line's obviously high, which is to be expected when you've got one of the best teams in the league against one of the worst teams. Something interesting, though, in terms of trends and stuff like that regarding the Patriots, we all obviously know they're brilliant. A couple of few super, six Super Bowls in the last 20 years or whatever it is. 43 and 19 against the spread in the last 62 games they've played. No one's near that number. So they're not only winning, but they're getting it done against the spread too, which might interest betters for this particular game against the Giants. And you're combining that Patriots defense against the Giants offense that's turning the ball over on 20.4% of their drives, which is the highest mark in the league. Mm. So there's going to be turnovers. Patriots are going to get the ball and heaps of opportunities. Um, small issue. There's a few injuries on the Patriots offensive side of the ball as well, including Edelman and Dorsett, I think Gordon as well. Yep. So it might all actually all come down to, um, if Belichick and McDaniels want to run up the score, they might take the foot right off the pedal. They might bring Brady out of the game. So which might compromise your line bet, but Patriots easy. And it's just a matter of whether you feel good about, um, the, uh, the line, but actually, I was going to throw one in there as well for um, Sony Michelle as a two touchdown scorer in this game at four dollars fifty. It okay. comes up later in my bets. That's your long shot. Yeah, but in, yeah, in terms of, um, I think that's a real a big chance. I mean, he burst into life last week. A lot more is going through him. They've invested heaps in him as well through that draft pick. <laughs> they need the ball in his hands to get it out of Brady's. I think two a two touchdown performance as well. Yep. In his, um, yeah, good in his realm. Okay. Mm. Um, before, yep. before we get to the rest of, uh, week six here, Bills, Bears, Colton Raiders have the buy. Uh, Nick, you just want to mention Stats Insiders about their live in-game probabilities now. That's all, that's all up on site. Yeah. Live in-game probabilities are, are now on site. So log on to Stats Insider when, uh, when a match starts and, and navigate to, to the match page. Um, you go statsinsider.com.au slash NFL, um, and click on the, click on the game that you want to, follow live um, and uh, you can follow the score. We'll have uh, live scores, obviously, plus live probabilities after every score, um, yep. updates every every 10 or 20 seconds, yep. um, and uh, follow all your bets, line bets, total bets, head-to-heads, everything. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, let's move on. London game. So we've got a, uh, I think it's like a midnight game or 12.30 game here. Uh, Carolina minus two, uh, technically at Tampa Bay, even though it is at a neutral ground. That total is 47 um, yeah, I really like Carolina in this one. I have the Panthers sort of minus three and a half in my rating, so I'm going to be taking them here. I am going to wait though until sort of Sunday evening to, to just to go through the injury report because there is some some uh, concern over Christian McCaffrey, and I think he's just an absolute juggernaut for this team at the moment. But Tampa's going to be missing the the entire right side of their offensive line due to injury, so uh, Kappa and, and Dotson are out, which uh, 
bodes well for a guy, a little known guy on this podcast called Brian Burns. Um, so <laughs> he could have a big game here. Um, and that, you know, might, you know, vault him into defensive rookie of the year conversation. Um, so I think he could have a big game and look, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater had kind of his best game as an NFL quarterback passing against this Bucks defense, his 22nd, uh, ranked as a DVOA pass defense. So I think Kyle Allen might have to do the same here. And he kind of did in his first couple of games, but he's kind of taken a step back the last couple of weeks. Um, I think they're going to have to rely on Kyle Allen because Tampa Bay are number one ranked rush defense by DVOA. So they can't lean on Christian McCaffrey entirely. But I think Matt McCaffrey's pretty much matchup proof at this point. Um, he is, um, proven just to be such an elusive runner, breaking tackles and, and just does it all. So, um, I think last, last time they played, Carolina got just dreadful quarterback play out of Cam Newton, who was clearly injured and clearly hurting, and they still nearly won, literally inches from 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 winning that game. And I think now with a healthy, healthy uh, quarterback and and over at a neutral ground, I think this is uh, boding well for Carolina here minus two. Uh, it might even get to one and a half, um, but yeah, under a field goal, I think I'll take them. McCaffrey under the injury cloud. You know, I think he plays, but he won't be 100%. If, if he was, then, you know, I, I don't mind the lineup to minus five, minus six even, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the minus two, even if, uh, McCaffrey doesn't play. Um, but again, I think he will. Um, interestingly, Carolina and Tampa Bay are ranked 15th and 16th respectively in overall efficiency as per football outsiders. They're also really closely ranked in offensive efficiency, but the big difference between them is that Carolina ranked five spots and four percent better on defense than than the Bucks. Um, I think they're just a, a a better franchise. And again, like it's last week with the the Raiders game, when, when both teams are away, you take the better franchise, and that's that's Carolina. Also, hearing something about um, this kid Brian Burns, he, he looks he looks stronger and stronger each week. And I, th- I think he's in the in the mix for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, might be your last chance to get him at some good odds. I don't know, James. I don't know if you've heard of him, mate, but. Um, Maybe you can tell us a bit about him. Okay, so Brian Burns out of Florida State, first round. No, he is um, – <laughs> and he's still good value, believe it or not. I think he's still $7 out there, which is too much. But um, this game, I thought, is a really tough one. Interesting one, if you do have a big lean on Panthers or you're starting to feel that sort of Panther vibe, there's plus money about them making the playoffs this year. So, oh, Man, it's hard. You just said the NFC has 12 teams eh? <laughs> that are in the mix. Yeah, true, and I haven't had a great look at their Schedule, unfortunately, I can't tell you off the top of my head how that's shaping up because I, I know I backed them early in the year to make the playoffs, and I know that's been crunched in, so I probably yep. should have had a better look at that that prize. Yep. But and I, as as Nick pointed out, a little bit of um, a little bit of an injury cloud for McCaffrey, who is pretty much in, propelled himself in the MP, M, MVP discussion. So I'd be way more confident if he was in the team, especially against that run defense. But it probably would be a pass for me on this one. Okay, let's moving on to Cincinnati at Baltimore. Baltimore, 12-point favorites at home. 47 and a half here is the total. Some 47s around um, the flat 47. Um, yeah, for me, like the Bengals, they're awful. They're absolutely awful. They're in the bottom ranks of pretty much every single efficiency. Um, PFF grade overall, DVOA, um, Enya, as I mentioned last week, which is the adjusted net yards per pass attempt, if you're just joining us. But we're going to start calling it Enya from now on. Um, they're, they're, they're looking awful. But I think what's even more awful than the Bengals is this Ravens secondary at the moment. Even though they added Earl Thomas, they are so banged up. Now they've lost Tony Jefferson for the year and potentially for his career. That's a dreadful injury that he suffered. Yeah. Um, I think this back door is going to be wide open for the Bengals here. So the Bengals plus 12 or plus 12 and a half, while very tempting, 
I just can't bring myself to do it. Much rather play the over here. Lamar Jackson should have great success here um, against the 31st ranked pass DVOA defense of the of the Bengals, and I think the ground game should get going as well against the 26th ranked rush defense DVOA. Um, so I like uh, over 47. I think uh, Baltimore will put up points, and I think yeah, as I said, the back door will be wide open for Cincinnati to get to you know possibly get sort of 21 points or so here and and help contribute to that over. For me, um, in the same way we're talking about the NFC and the diversity within that conference. We're crying out for a contender in the AFC, and probably the Ravens fit that bill, I would have thought. That was a really good performance against Pittsburgh last week. I know Pittsburgh were down to that third-string quarterback, but it was definitely the best defensive performance of the year. Um, and coming in against an absolutely horrendous Bengals team who, A, are winless, and a zip five against the spread as well. So if the calling card of this Baltimore team should be their offense, I expect that to show up now, and they should get it done. They should be able to clear that line because the Bengals are seriously terrible, probably in that worst, in that Miami Washington range. So, yeah, I, I don't mind the, the minus 12. That's, that's about my limit though. If, if that comes out anymore, I'm, I'm not going to touch it. Cincinnati ranked 31st in overall efficiency and 28th on offense, 31st on defense. Baltimore ranked sixth, over, sixth overall, but importantly mm. ranked fifth, fifth on offense, um, which is a big gap between fifth on offense and uh, 31st on defense for Cincinnati. Um, I think they're going to put up some points, and yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards that minus twelve Baltimore. Okay, um, let's move on now to the next game: Houston at Kansas City. Chiefs are four and a half point favorites. The total is fifty four and a half. Uh, the line for this was minus eight on the Chiefs uh, on the look ahead before uh, Red Zone sort of kicked into gear um, on Monday morning, and has dropped obviously because the Chiefs lost in prime. Prime time to to a really great effing coach, man. Frank Reich, shout out to my boy. Um, what a what a day, what a what a win for the Colts. But anyway, um, but he's you know, a brilliant coach. He's a brilliant. Oh, coach. mate, he him and Sean Payton right now, coach of the year, are fighting it out at this point. Um, I, I think it's two two horse race. But yeah, so the, the Chiefs lost in prime time to a really good coach, which the Texans don't have, and the Texans scored fifty three against a terrible Atlanta team. Um, and which is unlikely to happen again. Um, and they also were down a point at halftime. As bad as the Falcons were, they led at halftime on the road against the Texans. So for me, I think this number's fantastic. Under five points here for the Chiefs at home. Mahomes pissed off after losing in prime time and, and then not putting up a great performance. Um, and all this talk about Russell Wilson MVP, which we'll get to a bit later on in the show. Tyreek Hill potentially back. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in, please. Uh, Chiefs minus four and a half. I have this around seven. Um, I don't think the Texans are consistent enough, and I, I, I've liked their improvement from their offensive line and everything, but uh, I think this is uh, much different. It's hard to go into to uh, to the Chiefs, into Arrowhead, and, and be you know really great passing attack. And, and the Colts won, but it wasn't because of Brissett throwing the football. Yeah, Houston's offense looks ominous um, for, for the Chiefs, but, you know, Mahomes... He's an MVP. He's a quality player. I, I was, I was hurting for Chiefs fans watching him kind of hobble around in the second half last week. Um, be wary of the wounded Chief. But no, I'm not going to touch this one. There's too many, too many unknowns with this one. I'd be a lot more confident if I had a guarantee regarding Mahomes' health. And I'm not going to pretend to have a big um, opinion on this particular game. However, the magic number is zero, and that zero is was Deshaun Watson's sacks last week. 34 dropbacks, not a single sack. So that, we've been going on all year about that Houston off, uh, offensive line. 
which I think now is sixth worst in the NFL, which is a drastic upgrade <laughs> regarding sack <laughs> percentage. Um, so, yeah, and, and they've exploded. Hopkins, Will Fuller had an amazing game last week. Definitely his best game as a pro so far. Um, but, yeah, everything you touch on about the Chiefs, they'd want around back in the form, and so would Mahomes as well. Yeah, so. it, is, it is worth noting Atlanta at last in adjusted, adjusted yeah. sack rate. So that was <laughs> easily the best matchup that Houston could ever possibly ask for. And I know Kansas City aren't sort of an elite sort of, you know, pass rushing, but they're – where are they ranked? I'm trying to find them now. Kansas City, their NFL average at 16th. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot tougher there. I mean, the pass rush is going to be a little bit... Chris Jones is a little bit injured, though, so that could be crucial. But, yeah, you're right. And also, you know, that was the first time that the Chiefs have scored under 25 points ever mm. under Mahomes' read era. So, shout-out to Frank Reich. Um, again, just... Oh, oh, boy. So, pants are off now. Um, all right, New Orleans at Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus one. The total is 44. I was watching the Colts game in a public restaurant, and I leaned over to my wife. I was like, can I take my pants off? The Colts are about to beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. She said no. And I said, okay, good good call. But I was very aroused at the Colts. Thanks, it, was, it was great, yeah. <laughs> New Orleans at Jacksonville. Jacksonville at home, minus one. Favorites here against the Saints. 44 is the total. It's a key number in a total. Um, if you can get 44 and a half. And you want to back the under, please shop around. Um, but yeah, I, I like the under in this game. I just want to mention Gardner Minshew is, I mean, we love the guy. Like he's a spirit animal. He's a great character, great quarterback. I mean, he's, he's, he's actually really good. Um, he's, his annual is through the roof at this point. He's playing really well. I think he's like top five in the league now. Um, in terms of, of, of that passing the ball <laughs> down the field very efficiently. Um, so he's a good quarterback. So, you know, I, I do like the Saints here winning to win this game. I like the plus one and a half as well. But I really like the under 44, more importantly. The under's gone seven and two in both the Saints' last nine games on the road and the Jaguars' last nine games at home. So seven and two in both those aspects. The Saints' defense, they've allowed less than 260 yards to each of their last two opponents. So their defense is really locked down since they've got a healthy bodies back on that D-line, which has helped uh, the secondary a lot. Um, it, it's kind of what the 49ers are doing. If you can get a, a good pass rush, it really helps your secondary because you don't have to trace receivers for so long. Um, and I think the Saints have really improved and benefited from that. I think you could see a lot of long drives here from the Saints running the football down Jacksonville's throat. They're the worst rated run defense by DVOA in the league. And I think in, ter- in terms of yards per attempt allowed as well, uh, rushing yards per attempt allowed, they're last in the league as well. So yeah, I like the Saints to cover and I like under 44 more importantly. I like the under 44 too, uh, pretty much the same reasons. I think, you know, Alvin Kamara is probably a, a good DFS bet um, and, and have a look at some of the prop plays. Yep. Um, again, for that, that reason around the Jaguars run defense. Uh, I do think that the Jags are due for a big game defensively. I, I was talking up as a, as a top five defensive unit in the league preseason, and, and they haven't delivered on that. It, it should still be a good matchup. The Saints keep surprising us without Drew Brees. I keep, I keep wondering when they're going to fall off the cliff, and, and it, you know Teddy Bridgewater keeps getting it done. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a tight game, and, and I think it'll be low scoring. But uh, watch out for Alvin Kamara. Massive game here. Jags win. They do go to 3-3. They are favorites. They are at home. And then they've got the Cincy and the Jets to follow after that. So there is a path to 5-3, which I'd imagine put them at the top of that AFC South division by then. But no play for me, though. I did mention before, though, Saints are 4-1 with a negative point differential. So just keep that in mind um, in terms of your evaluation of New Orleans. 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, um, Bridgewater. I think he's kind of turned into like the NFC's Brissette. I mean, he's just mm. doing a great job, uh, just being a game, a really great game manager, avoiding crucial mistakes and allowing, you know, a good coach like Frank Reich for Brissette and Sean Payton for Bridgewater to get the job done and win in other ways. So, um, I think it'd be wise for the Saints to kind of re-sign Bridgewater to, to Brissette type money. Um, and, and kind of lock him down because if you, you know, if you are the Saints and Breeze retires, you're going to be still too good of a roster to be, you know, picking up a quarterback in the draft so that you can have that year or two turnover with it, with a, at least a league average quarterback and, and at least remain competitive, um, in the NFL. Um, so I don't mind that, uh, you know, from the Saints, if they could do that, I think Bridgewater's shown now that, you know, he could, he can get it done. I think it, it I think it speaks to the benefit of having an experienced backup as opposed to, you know, a, a rookie. Um, yep. as, as your backup because he's come in and yes, it took him a, a game or half a game to kind of get, get back to speed of, of NFL football. But, you know, he's, he's remained composed. He, he stays calm. Um, he just does his job. You know, he, he doesn't try and overplay. Um, he knows his skill set. He knows what he can and can't do. And he plays with himself. And, you know, like I said, he's getting the job done. Yeah. 100%. You mentioned Kamara. You can get about a four dollars, hundred plus yard, hundred plus rushing yards mm-hmm. out there in some places. So uh, that's something to don't mind that. Yeah, to keep an eye on. All right, Philly at Minnesota. Minnesota three point favorites at home. The total is forty four. Um, so my ratings have Philly plus three as a bet here, and it is very tempting because I was impressed by their defense last week, even though it was against Luke Falk. Um, but I feel like Philly's strength on defense <coughs> is stopping the run. That's a horrible matchup for the Vikings, where Philly are terrible at defending the pass, which doesn't suit the Vikings terribly um, with Kirk Cousins, um, but they're so good at home. I've told myself to not sort of bet against the Vikings at home at, at, at all. Uh, Mike Zimmer's 29-12-1 against the spread at home as a Vikings coach, um, and this Vikings defense is is, is very, very good, um, and they're, uh, they rank top five in DVOA net yards per pass attempt and yards per rush, so they're, they're just really, really good across the board at stopping the run, stopping the pass, and getting pressure on the quarterback. So I'm probably going to pass. Um, as tempting as Philly plus three are, but yeah, I'm going to pass. So that that was a game that Philly really needed to make a statement, and and they did. You know, ten sacks and really completely just blew the the, the Jets out of the water. Um, again, I I don't bet on Philly just because you know we know I don't I, I get too I get too <laughs> emotional about it. Yep. But you know that that's it for me. But um, yeah, I I think that we can. I think the Eagles can can win this game. I think Kirk Cousins needs to be at his absolute best for the, the Vikings. Yeah, this is an enormous match. My big take, I thought Philly were one of the more impressive teams of last week. I know they only beat the Jets, and I know how terrible they are, but it was that defense stepping up like that. 128 total yards, nine first downs, 10 sacks as well, which is a crazy number. I think they came in with two on the season, so they really, really got their um got their bellies full there. Um. Interestingly, a real sweet spot regarding a trend here since 2004. The Vikings are actually the best team covering um, an ATS at home. So at 68%, in fact, with Pat's next best. So that's something to think about Well, as well. They get it done at home covering that spread. But I'm, yeah, I'm warming to Philly. I really am, um, especially considering Dallas is sort of rocky road over the last couple of weeks. So, okay. yeah, this is a massive game. Yeah, huge. huge. It is. It's a, a, in that loaded NFC, like this is, this could be the difference when we get to week <laughs> yeah. 17 between a, a six seed and, and sitting at home on, in January. Um, Definitely. Seattle minus one and a half at Cleveland. Cleveland, uh, at home, 47 points is that total. 
Um, yeah, my ratings have this Seattle minus three, but I'm avoiding this like the plague. Uh, I feel like this is the trappiest of trap games for Seattle. That number is like begging everyone to take Seattle. Like everyone's just like, oh, Seattle, one of the best teams in the league. Cleveland, one of the worst teams in the league. It's only one and a half. Like, I feel like it's just, just feels like this Saints game a little bit from a couple of weeks ago where everyone was on Seattle and they, they laid an egg at home, um, to a good Saints team, but, it's also hard to get a, I get a pulse on this Browns team. So they, they got hammered at home, 43-13 to Tennessee. They bounce back the week later and win 23-3 to over the Jets. Then they get, then they get beaten by the land, uh, the Rams at home, 20-13. to Then they bounce back with a 40-25 to road win over the Ravens. And now they've lost 31-13 to embarrassingly in primetime to the 49ers. Do they bounce back again this week? Seems to be the trend for the Browns is it's, it's loss win, loss win. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding this, but I am all in on the Russell Wilson MVP train. He's got 1400 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions this season. I think you can get 10, 11 dollars for him for MVP, which is just ridiculous. Um, and that, that pass to Tyler Lockett last week, uh, was, was phenomenal. Um, the catch also phenomenal, the whole thing phenomenal. He's still somehow underrated, I think, Russell Wilson. I don't, I don't know how. Not by, uh, not by Seahawks fans, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, time and time again, he, he gets it done. Wow, I, I don't even know what to say about Cleveland last week. Um, you know, the Browns are going to brown, and uh, they were just they were horrific. Um, Seahawks were, were pretty impressive in, in that in that thriller. Um, yep. They're only they're one of only four NFC teams with four wins, um, and and I think they get this done. Uh, maybe I'm falling into that trap that you mentioned, but I think they get it done. Um, I can't see the the Cleveland trend, the loss win loss win continuing. Um, what what is happening with the Cleveland offense? What's happening with with Baker Mayfield and, and Beckham. I just, I just don't I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, OBJ has kind of become like a gadget player. They've got him throwing passes, and, and then he's when he's finally wide, he's dropping things. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's weird, but it's it's funny, though. Cleveland have a highly a highly rated defense. They're, they're higher rated on defense than Seattle. Normally, you associate good defense with Seattle, but they're, they're not a good defensive team. They're, they're ranked in the bottom third in DVOA in terms of total defense, so that's something to... To monitor, um, and and maybe Mayfield and OBJ can finally get it on. I'm not sure, but uh, maybe James has some thoughts. Well, in that respect, I think it might have to do with how flimsy that offensive line is with Cleveland, and those sort of <laughs> dispersions about Baker Mayfield's height and not being able to throw above the offensive line. How many balls were batted down in that San Francisco game? He kind of looked like a bit of a child with you know the likes of Buckner and Boza. Bruckner, sorry, uh, closing in on him. It was it was dreadful. Cleveland, just about the most disappointing team in 2019 for me. I've given them a shout on this pod uh, against you guys, and I've been in the wrong twice <laughs> um, in big spots as well in terms of Sunday night and Monday night football. Terrible, absolutely terrible. Whereas at least the Seahawks, I love where they're going. Four and one. Um, there's actually a path to eight and one because their schedule gets really easy after this. Interesting to note, they're the third best team from an offensive DVOA perspective behind Kansas and Dallas, who are not in good form. So you could even make the argument this is the best offense in the league. And completely agree, Josh, with Russell Wilson as well from an MVP perspective. That's a big, I think there's an 11 out there. I was mentioning that later as well in the pod for, you know, futures bets and stuff yeah. like that. Love it. I'm, I'm big on the Seahawks, yeah, as you know. They're the number one rated, uh, passing offense by DVOA despite trying to establish the run way too many times. If you just let them throw it more, they could be even better. Maybe. Shotty. Shotty. Come on. Get back to me. <laughs> Uh, all right, Washington, Washington minus three and a half at Miami. We won't spend too much time on this, but um, the total is 41. 
Um, I just want to say, my name's Josh Wye, and I'm taking the Dolphins plus three and a half this weekend, and I want to poke my eyeballs out with some skewers. Um, I've been a harsh critic of Dre Gruden for some time, but he is far from the problem in Washington. It goes from top down to bottom. It's a systematic cancer of a of an organization. Um, and Washington have the fifth fewest yards per game, third fewest points per game, and tied for the NFL lead in interceptions and turnovers. They're also 0-4 against the spread in their last four games. Saying that, Miami are probably worse in all aspects of that. But they're at home. They're after a bye. Um, and they just need to be better in the second half. They've been okay in the first halves. So if you're not as keen on that, maybe get them on the first half. They've been outscored 81-0 in the second half of this season. So if they can just tighten the ship on the second half, and I think Josh Rosen's going to be the best quarterback in this game. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm going to take Washington. I'm going to take Dolphins plus three and a half. If it gets to flat three, I'm out. That, that extra hook there is is why I'm in. That that plus three and a half line for Miami was tempting, but I'm going to stay away from that just because both teams are yeah are garbage. Washington are, are probably the only team that can compete with Miami at the moment for the worst team in the league. But the under, the, at 41, I'm not sure that this game even gets to 21 points, let alone 41. So I, I'm, I'm really strong on, on this under. I also, just from a player perspective, like Parker and Williams to eat some kind of receiving yards against a really weak Washington secondary. Um, but I'm also thinking that we might, we might see uh, an old school vintage Adrian Peterson performance against the worst rushing defense in the league. Ooh. So that's, uh, mm. Yeah, I'm looking looking at AP. Wow. I'm taking three players in a game where you think the total is going to go to 21. <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be a lot of yards, a, a lot of strategy. yards and not a lot of scores. Yeah, they're not turning. A lot of yards and not a lot of scores. Yeah, okay, get it. Not very efficient in the red zone. I, I like it. Mm. <laughs> One of my uh, best preseason bets was that Miami would have the worst record in the league. Um, at, you know, four or five, like maybe even $6 at that stage as well before they started trading every single person in the roster. So this game actually emerges as something as a morbid Super Bowl for me. Because, yeah. um, <laughs> um, you know, Miami go down, that bet could be in a little bit of trouble because I can't say, yeah, anyway, yeah. you get my point. Yeah. Um, whether the Gruden sacking inspires something in this Washington team, whether it is AP, you know, bringing out something as Nick said. Um, but, but yeah, this is, this is the, um, the funeral bowl. The funeral bowl. I like it a lot, Josh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, put it on in all the uh, funerals. Just put it on. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. I not? agree. I yeah. agree. All right, let's move on. We spent way too much time with that. Um, Atlanta minus two and a half at Arizona. The total is fifty-one. Give me points. I like the over fifty-one here. Atlanta can't stop anything right now, and the Cardinals' pass defense is still without Patrick Peterson and a few other guys, and they're twenty-seventh in pass defensive DVOA as well. Even in their miserable form and their results and everyone panicking about Atlanta, the one thing that's actually still racking up yardage is their passing game. Matt Ryan is still passing the ball well and still racking up yards. They just haven't been able to turn it into points. He, he just didn't get a chance against the Texans. They were leading at halftime, and they just every time the Texans got the ball, they scored. And then in the second half, it just got away for them. So, you know, Matt Ryan, like, he still had a decent game last week. Um, he just had to throw it a lot. And when you're down late, you kind of force a few balls and you get picked off and things like that. But, I mean, when you're down 53 to 32 or whatever it was and you're throwing pick six, I feel like, you know, all interceptions aren't created equal. We've talked about this before, James. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think this 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 is going to go way over. Both these teams rank in the bottom four in points allowed per drive. Sets up well for an over. Messy, messy, messy in Atlanta is, is, is my take from this. I don't know how long Quinn will last. 
there's so much investment in this team, at, at, especially in the skill positions from a financial and draft point of view. Arizona did get off the schneid last week with a win. Uh, from a trend perspective, however, they're, they've lost 16 of their last 21 games straight up after a win, which is easily the worst mark in the league in that respect. So they get fat and happy in the desert, it would seem. Um, yeah, but it's a pass for me. It's a tough game, but just the thought of Atlanta going to a 1-5 hole, um, considering where that franchise has been and the way it's set up. Huge. That's one of the big stories of the year. Yeah, mm. things are not looking great there. No. Ma- massive story in Atlanta. Um, I'm, I'm on the verge of giving up on them because you know, I, was, I was really strong on them preseason. Their offensive talent is is amazing and they just can't seem to put it all together. They've, they've scored 102 points in five games. The Cardinals have scored 100 and, and we're talking about the Cardinals as one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I don't know where it's all gone wrong for the Falcons and I don't know what's happened to them since that that Super Bowl disaster, but I'm not even confident they're going to win this game, so I, I can't touch any of the other markets. Yeah, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on. Maybe we'll have a funeral for Atlanta next week if they go to one and five. <laughs> all right, San Fran at LA, uh, the Rams, minus three and a half. The uh, total is 50 and a half. Now, this is my talking point from week five is – um, where do we where do we rank the 49ers in the NFC? I feel like the schedule's been very generous, but uh, the, the the 2019 49ers now have the sixth highest DVOA ever measured through four games. But yeah, their schedule has been easy. Their four opponents rank 16th, 20th, 26th, and 31st overall. And on offense, their four opponents have been awful: 18th, 25th, 28th, and 29th. So they've played some really really poor teams. So this is. This is the test for them. This is a, a clear pass. Um, I think the line's spot on. Um, and yeah, this is, this is their first real test on the road against a division rival, a team that, uh, is probably playoff caliber. Whether they make the playoffs this year or not, who knows? Because as we said, the NFC is loaded, but, uh, I think people are overreacting a little bit to the Rams offense. I think they've been fine. Goff played really well last week after a slow start. They've scored 69 points in two weeks and they're 0 2 in those games. So their defense really needs to get back on track here. Um, so this is a clear pass, but I'm really keen to watch this game. I think this is the game of the week from a uh, watching perspective. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the Rams' offense, but I am very concerned about their defense, and their their defense is really suspect in, in 2019. And yep. I don't think a lot of people are talking about it, but um, you've just said it. I'm talking about it now. They, they considered four touchdowns through the air last week at Seattle. Um, Wilson was targeting their, their receivers really heavily. Um, tight end basically had 80, 80 yards. And so this, this game in particular has George Kittle's name written all over it. Um, so again, like last week, uh, looking at Kittle, 80 plus receiving yards. And, and I think he's going to be a really solid DFS play. I'm not going to touch the game though. Um, it's, it's a pass on all markets for me. Yep. Yeah. I got 49ers all wrong. This is probably one of my worst futures bet at the start of the year. Four zip now plus 70 uh, point differential. Still haven't needed anything out of Garoppolo either this year. And interestingly as well, I was just thinking in terms of Buckner and Bosa, is there a better duo, a defensive line duo in the league than these two guys combined? They've combined 15 quarterback hits on the year and six sacks. So causing absolute turmoil for, for, for oppositions. So it might come down to the way the Rams offensive line can handle that threat in the middle. Football Outsiders does have them as the third best offensive line from a sack perspective in the, in the league. So if they can keep those for the 49er pass rush at bay, well, we could have something going, but yeah. Hmm, that's interesting because, uh, they're ranked like 30th in the league in 
Pro Football Focus pass block ratings, uh, <coughs> the Rams. So, is that for, is that for 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 run production though, Josh? Oh no, is... this is purely just pass blocking. Their pass blocking grade is okay. is is quite low. But I mean, who knows with offensive line? I don't think anyone knows what offensive how like, where the people are. That's individuals graded. I guess as a line, um, you know, yeah. it could be totally different. So it's True. hard to really rate pass. No one knows how offensive line players, and anyone that says they do is lying. Josh, I will throw this out as well. Speaking of offensive lines, San Francisco's Mike McGlinchey, first round pick, number nine overall in the draft. Started every game last year, started every game this year. He's gone for the year. Mm. So that's a massive And they're out of Joe Staley as well. So uh, they're down yeah. two tackles. Oh, this is yeah. massive. Um, so, yeah, that is huge. It is huge. And, and we know Donald's ready to go as well. Like, Donald's ready to have a breakout game. So. I mean, he's he's still playing. He's getting triple teamed. I mean, he's not racking yeah, up yeah. sacks, but there's photos every game of just triple teaming guys. So, <laughs> yeah. they need Dante Fowler, and now they're out without Clay Matthews. They need some outside rushes to, to take advantage of these one-on-ones and get some sacks and get some pressure. Well, this, this is the thing I was sort of suggesting at the start of the pod in terms of this openness on in the NFC. If you have a conviction on any of these teams... Um, you can find a price that corresponds with that and yeah. he can, you know, can do okay. I think the Rams have drifted from 450 favorites at the start of the year to win the NFC to about 950 now. I mean, that's a serious, serious, um, uh, drift for a good team who are sort of, I, I like to think that there's a lot of brain power in that organization and they might be tailoring this campaign considering how it sort of fell apart in the second half of last mm. year. So yeah. it's something to keep in mind there. And I, I didn't hate. That Rams offense last week. I thought Goff was, yep. you know, nearly through yeah, through a couple of horrible passes, but not bad, not yep. bad. Well, you talk about the crowd. I got Rams, Eagles, Seahawks, Saints, 49ers, Packers, and Cowboys all in my top ten rated teams behind the Patriots and Chiefs, and about a point and a half separate all of them. So it's it is tight. So there's no real conviction on on any of them. So um, speaking of the Cowboys, they're on the road, seven and a half point favorites in uh, Meadow, New Meadowlands or whatever it's called. I uh, run out of names for the Giants. Jet Stadium. They're at the facing the Jets. Um, forty three is the total. Sam Darnold is back, so it's kind of hard to judge this one, and that's why I'm going to avoid this game entirely. Um, with him back in the fold, and everyone sort of poo pooed Sam Darnold's performance against Buffalo in Week One. He went twenty eight of forty one for one hundred and seventy five yards, one touchdown, zero picks, and four point seven six um, adjusted yards per attempt. Doesn't look that bad when you consider what Brady did against Buffalo. He went 18 of 39 for 150, zero touchdowns, an interception, 2.69 adjusted yards per attempt. So, you know, why everyone's sort of down on the Jets, I think Sam Darnold's only game was against the, the Bills' defense, who's phenomenal. Uh, I think they're going to have a, a much easier time here against Dallas. I know their defense is still pretty good, but we just saw Aaron Rodgers kill them. Um, without uh, Devontae Adams and and a good and a good ground game, and I think Le'Veon Bell now with Sam Donald back, teams are gonna have to respect the pass game a lot more, and that should open things up for them. So um, seven and a half is a lot of points, so I'm not gonna go either way. I'm not betting on the Jets until I know Donald's back and healthy and playing well. Um, but if Sam Donald is playing like he was at the end of the year, then they could probably cover this spread, and, and I'd probably lean the over because I think they can score some points. You're not not really seriously comparing Sam Donald mono mono Donald to uh, Aaron Rodgers, eh? No, not at all. But I feel like he can still <laughs> he's still a, he's still a good young quarterback at the end of the year. He's, he's he's he could good, move the he's ball. He's a good quarterback. He's, he's not Luke he's, Falk. He's a, <laughs> that's right. He's a good quarterback, and he's better than Luke Falk. Um, yep. Uh, I'm not confident in the line. I think the Cowboys need a win desperately. Um, yep. They're, they're going to bring their elite 
defensive unit to this one. Um, I think they win. I'm not confident, as I said, in that seven and a half, but yep. um, I'm going the under 43 because I think they keep it They keep it tight and they win. Uh, Pitt scores low. Okay. Massively worried about the Cowboys. Uh, selling a little bit of my future stock as well with them flunking their biggest two tests significantly, not even getting really close in either of them. Interesting stat as well, uh, Zeke Elliott's, in his first 22 games as a pro, he had eight multi-touchdown games. His last 23 games as a pro, he's had one multi-touchdown game. So there's something, I mean, that's, I mean, eight to one is pretty big, but <laughs> um, they need to get him going so Dak can operate with a little bit more freedom knowing that, you know, the big boys up front are getting Zeke through and... Just shouldn't draft a running back top three, maybe. Just... Yeah, or, or give him that extension potentially. Yeah. I don't know, but I think yeah. Let's not. We'll... Yeah. I'm not. I'm not souring too much on the Cowboys. I mean, like they lost on the road at New Orleans, who have proven to be pretty good. And if Brett Maher makes a field goal, they got a chance to win that game. Like they they get an onside kick and it's it's a touchdown. They still move the ball well. They outgain the Packers considerably. I, I'm not. I'm not too worried. I feel like. Um, Kellen Moore. These are these are games that he'll learn from, and and they should should write the ship. I, I think they'll they'll, they'll, they'll I win here. I don't know if they'll cover, but they'll win. The raw sort of as you, as you know, the, the raw total yard numbers can sometimes be, be misleading. I think they outrush out, out total yard them by two hundred plus yards, yep. which is absolutely crazy as we know. Yep. And all the damage was done earlier, and the whole sting was taken out of the game. But yeah, this Cowboys like yeah. It says a lot, doesn't it, for schedule and everything like that. That, that They were able to sort of do whatever they wanted in those first three games. And all of a sudden, that offensive line is getting really, really, really banged up now. And they haven't played Philly once, who's starting to get this sort of pass rush going. And those, obviously, those two division games are going to... I think if Philly go 2-0 against the Cowboys or vice versa, you could be looking at a a first-round buy. Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. Potentially between those two. That's it. So keep an eye on... So stacked. Yeah, definitely. Keep your eye on that. Okay, Tennessee at Denver. Denver are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The total is 39. This line, for me, looks like a tad overreaction to Denver's uh, to Denver's win last week and, and them having a great home field advantage. But when you look at the numbers, their home field advantage hasn't been that great, and I think James will touch on that in a little bit. But the Titans, they've played really well on the road with wins against Cleveland and Atlanta, and their offense has yet to commit a turnover. And their defense is uh, fourth in points per drive, despite ranking 14th in DVOA. So they force teams, you know, to put long drives together. And while Flacco has actually been pretty decent the last couple of weeks, um, I think Tennessee's defense is a little bit underrated, and they're they're, they're pretty good. I think, uh, yeah, this is this is a good spot for Tennessee. Um, every time I do my my lines, when they're underdogs, they win, and when they're favorites, they lose. And that's that's true. They're three they're zero and three straight up as favorites. And they're two and zero straight up, straight up as underdogs. For some reason, I've, um, I when I bet the Titans this year, I've been actually really good. So my model loves them when they're dogs and hates them when they're faves. So I think at this point, I'm just always going to take Tennessee with the points and fade them when they're favourites. I'm going to take the money line, and I think they're plus two and a half here, um, and they and they cover. I spent a few minutes on this game, and I just couldn't find anything interesting <laughs> that I wanted to talk about. So I'm just going to pass. I'm going to pass on the bet. I'm going to pass on the chat, and I'm just going to send it straight across to James. <laughs> yeah, I'm similar, Nick, in, in terms of this game. One little wrinkle I sort of found was that over the last three seasons, Broncos as home favourites at 12 and 23 against the spread, which is the worst mark in the league. Mm. So for all this kind of, you know, the altitude of Mile High Stadium and that imposing venue, whether it's that 
the bookies are adjusting too much to that and getting burnt, there could be an angle in there for people who like Tennessee. That could be something there. But A, a lot of Broncos stats um, post-Pate Manning just mm. don't look great. I mean, it's yeah. almost as if he's the greatest. But anyway. Well, I think it was – I think there's a John Elway stat himself post-tour, you yeah. know, without – Peyton Manning as yeah. his coordinator. I mean, any, so 40 any, games yeah. under 500. Yeah, so. any GM can sign Peyton Manning. I mean, yeah. you don't need a brain. Uh, yeah. Someone yeah. who woke out, of, woke out of a coma that went into it in 2000 would say, oh, Peyton Manning, he's, yeah, he's still good. <laughs> Let's sign him. Um, all right, Pittsburgh at the Chargers. <laughs> Great Sunday night football game, this. Um, Chargers, seven-point favorites at home, totals 41. A guy called Devlin Hodges. That's not a real name. Um, he's starting a quarterback <laughs> for Pittsburgh in primetime. That is disgusting. It's gross. Do you know what's also like been more gross is the Chargers. I picked them last week and I hate myself for it and I regret it. Um, and James got another one up on me there in our head-to-heads with 2-2 two and two now. Um, after I went 2-0, and oh, he's, he's clawed back um, and the Chargers let me down. I'm, I'm avoiding this game. I don't, I don't know if I'll watch it, to be honest. Devlin Hodges sounds like a cigarette brand. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you're, you're 100% right, though. This, yeah. this is a disgusting, a disgusting yeah. primetime matchup and uh, I probably will watch it, but I'm not sure I want to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pass for me on everything. Well, I can report that Devlin Hodges is from Alabama, but he didn't go to Alabama. Yeah, he went to probably. Samford, <laughs> yeah, so. which is where the uh, alternate office is in the office, just quietly. There you go. I, I know they got a Jim very... spent a uh, season there. <laughs> the, their college basketball team is usually ranked about 340 out of 350. So okay. <laughs> not strong. That's the only re- way I know Samford. Um, I actually quite like Pitt to cover here. Call me crazy. <laughs> Whoever Devlin Hodges is better get it done. Um, but, you know, the, the, the old saying that good offensive lines travel and Pitts is still excellent. Seven's a big number for a team such as the Chargers who are struggling and their offensive line is falling to pieces. Pouncy out now. This is a bloke who's a four-time Pro Bowl of 37 straight games on that offensive line. He's gone. As I said, Pittsburgh's defense, as well as the offensive line, but the defense is also doing well as well. Last week, Pitt pushed probably the second-best team in the AFC to overtime in the Ravens, whereas last time I looked, Chargers were down 17-zip at home against Denver. So seven is a lot of points for me in this spot. It might come down to Devlin, though. So, <laughs> so yeah. it, it's I mean, if, that... if if they cover and you're on them, I think you just whip out a Devlin and, and light up. Just, <laughs> just, just the way you go. Um, I made it. Celebratory Devlin. Yeah, Devlin Hodges. Um, just get the uh, the blue. Um, yeah, that's the way. The blue Devlin Hodges. By the way, I made an error. Um, I thought it was Stanford, but it's Samford. My bad. Um, so no, Stanford. Sta- yeah, no, sorry. No I was no thinking tea. Stanford, Connecticut, but it's Samford in Alabama, which is which is right. So ignore all my office chatter. Uh, it was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, all right, last game of the week. Now, this is a better primetime game. I'm in for this. Uh, the only thing that I hate about Monday Night Football <laughs> is Booger, and I mute that, that SOB because he's terrible. <laughs> Detroit at Green Bay, minus four and a half. Total is 47. Fade Booger. Hashtag Fade Booger. Um, let's let's get that rolling. Um, it's yeah, rolling, Josh. Sign, it's out there. Yeah, sign sign Romo. His contract's up. Get get Romo on Monday Night Football. I'm in. Um, anyway, I I, I have this around the Packers minus five and a half. So I, the line feels spot on, like right in the Vegas zone here. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a clear pass for me. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, Packers winning in Dallas last week. Devontae Adams was impressive, but as we said. 
Cowboys still, you know, they still allow the Cowboys back in that game, even if it was, you know, for a little while and after the, the, the damage was done. Um, they still racked up yards. They still moved the ball with ease. And their, their run defense is still a concern. Um, so the Lions, they're not that far away from being 4-0, really. Uh, they completely botched week one. Um, and I think they can run all over this Packers front. They're 30th in yards per rush allowed. And I think, you know, the Lions can move the ball with carry-on. I think he could be a player prop uh, DFS play this week, and uh, I think uh, this this could be a game where Detroit really upset things. They surprisingly won their last four games against the Packers, the Lions. So, well, um, yeah, that's that's a, a crazy stat. But yeah, I'm going to avoid this game, and I'm, yeah, probably apart from the San Fran Rams game, this is probably another game I'm excited to watch this week. Should should be a good game to watch. I think you're right. This, this line is spot on, um, and and also a pass for me. But I, yeah, it's, it's one that I can't wait to watch. I think it's. It's almost a, a perfect one for kind of that prime time, especially following the uh, the, the one the night before. Yep. Yep. Um, Packers are one of these NFC teams that you could make the argument are the best team in the NFC. I know they sort of blew that lead against Philly a couple of weeks ago, responded unbelievably well last week against Dallas in Dallas. Um, and this was a performance last week. They put 35 points up on the court against Dallas. No touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers in 238 yards, which is so unpackers like to, you know, not have it all run through Rodgers. And this year, the defense is really good. I know that rush defense is still really, really vulnerable. From a pass defense, they're almost impossible to, to pass against. JL Alexander is going to be pro bowl this year. Yep. Darnell Savage is one of the outstanding defensive rookies of the year. And I don't know if I've talked about Brian Burns before, but this guy's in that absolute, <laughs> absolute defensive rookie of the year category. Mm. Saw him get injured last week, which, um, Savage Burns. I mean, I'm sensing Savage. a theme here from you or your defensive rookie of the year. <laughs> it stands out, doesn't it? it does. Well, the, the maniac won last year as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you, know, you need that strong name. Yep. But Packers, Packers kind of in San Francisco, like San Francisco for me. I, I misevaluated them at the start of the year. Um, yeah, but they've, they've definitely proved me wrong. And I think there's a 220 about them winning the NFC North. Okay. I'm not in love with Detroit. I'm not in love with Chicago or Minnesota for that matter. So yeah, Packers, Packers money line and line here as well. Okay. For me. Yep. All right. Uh, that's interesting. I uh, just want one more thing. Uh, Bleacher Report, Gridiron Heights. What's doing? What? Why are you calling out Matthew Stafford like that um, for? I thought he's been great this season. That's that's harsh. Um, and you know, if Stafford played, well, Stafford's for, been great for a decade. I mean, if Matt Stafford, Stafford if, if Stafford played in New England, he'd have three. He'd have three rings. Like honestly, I'm not even joking here. Like if he played for a good coach and a good franchise, he'd be doing so much better. Like I, I, I really like Matt Stafford. I think he's, I think he's great. Um, and yeah, he's 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 thrown some you know crucial picks at times, but. Man, if he played for a better franchise, he wouldn't be having to throw down, you know, seven or ten late in games all the time. So, you know, I'm just protecting Matt Stafford. Just Megatron helped early days. That he was did. a nice, nice security blanket. But man, into he the played league. for some bad teams. He played Absolutely. with some awful, awful teams. Like, yeah, and, he, and he, he's never looked like a horrible quarterback, has he? He's no. always looked totally like average to above average. Yeah. I think he's had one really, really bad year in his career. I mean, Philip Rivers has had it. Like, you know, they mm. all have it. Drew Brees had one where he led the league in interceptions, and then you just. Just have those years where they kind of just gets away from you. So yeah, uh, that could happen to Devlin as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Could be the year. All right, uh, lock of the week. <laughs> um, what are we feeling here across the board? Um, I'm just looking through some picks. James and I are on the uh, Carolina together under 44 in, in New Orleans, Jacksonville. Um, what else? 
Did we all like Seattle, or did you end up? No, sort of... like that's a trap. That is a trap. Okay, okay, that's, okay, the, okay. that's the trap meme. The, the, it's a trap from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think I liked that under forty-four. I don't know if James. Yeah. I don't know if James. What's did. an under? <laughs> oh, he doesn't bet totals. Um, all right. What about Carolina minus two um, in London? We'll go to the London game. Yep. Yep. I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Just and we get to see Brian Burns. Yeah. Exactly. We get to see Brian Burns. <laughs> um, we should just put an asterisk on that as well. Um, so Carolina minus two. Uh, maybe wait till Sunday on that um, because we just need some injury update on on Christian McCaffrey. So if if, if McCaffrey is out, then you know um, avoid mm. just. Uh, just avoid it at all cost. Um, so that is our lock of the week. It is Carolina minus two um, against uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks in London. So that's our uh, lock of the week. All right, best bets and long shot. Uh, Nick, kick us off. What have you got? Uh, Washington, Miami under 41. Like I said, I, I'm not sure I can see getting a 21, but like yep. 41. Uh, Seattle minus one and a half. And George Kittle, 76 or more receiving yards at dollar ninety. Okay. I can't wait for him to land on exactly 76. 76 on the dot. Yeah, I might um, I might ring up somewhere and say, what's the price for Kittle to land on exactly, exactly 76? Let's see what we get. <laughs> <laughs> and your long shot? Um, like I mentioned earlier, looking at some vintage AP, uh, Adrian Peterson can get 83-plus rushing yards at $3.20, which okay. is quite nice. Worst worst rush defense in the league by a long way. Okay, there we go. Okay, uh, James, what what have you got for us? I actually really like the Steelers to cover. I don't usually give my best bets from a non-futures perspective, as you guys go no, but yet really like Pittsburgh Steelers to cover against the Chargers at uh, plus seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, just throw out a couple more, which is Russell Wilson, eleven dollars for MVP. That's yeah, absolutely in. crazy. In for, uh, yeah. for tomorrow's game as well, it's another. Non-futures thing is Sony Michelle multi-touchdown game four dollars fifty, especially with those Patriot skill position injuries. Yeah. Um, and also one to keep an eye only because there is an absolute path to eight and one, and the price will not be there at eight and one. Is Seattle for twelve dollars to win the NFC? Mm. So. Wow, interesting. Okay, uh, my best bets this week over fifty-one in Atlanta, Arizona. I like the Chiefs minus four and a half at home against the Texans. Um, and I like under 44 in the uh, Jacksonville New Orleans game. Um, I think that's going to be a uh, sort of a running affair between Kamara and Fournette. I mentioned before, Kamara, 100 plus rushing yards at $4. That might be a, a secondary long shot for me um, this week, which I, which James kind of touched, uh, Nick kind of touched on as well. So um, that could be an avenue. But I'm going to go back to the Mark Ingram uh, well here. He was my first long shot. All the way back in week one, uh, when he rushed for a hundred and had a touchdown at like six, seven dollars. Um, that's been my highest long shot and actually the only one that's won. So that's funny. Uh, Mark Ingram, hundred plus rushing yards this week, um, against Cincinnati at 275. I think, uh, Ingram has a day there. And, uh, Nick, you're going to fill us in because Daryl Data's unavailable this week, um, on the model. The model was one and two last week on the pod, but if you follow the website, some of those do change. But, uh, in terms of the podcast, Tracking results just on the NFL plays one and two last week on the pod. Um, but what are the best bets for the model at the, right at this point uh, for the podcast? Um, as of right now, the model likes the Giants to cover four uh, percent orange smiley, sixteen yep. and a half. Um, the Falcons minus two and a half, another four percent orange smiley. 
And Niners, Rams, under 50 points. Also, 4% orange smiley. Hmm, I like that. It's an interesting one. I like the totals. It, the one I won last week was under 56.5 in the uh, Chiefs-Colts game, which was well, well, well under. Um, yeah, so that was good. Strong, historically strong on the on the totals. Mm. Uh, had, another, had another nice win in the college uh, this morning as well. Yep. Um, and the long shot for the model? Uh, Cleveland head-to-head, a 3% yeah, orange there we go. Smiley. There we go. I'm telling you, it's a trap. It's a trap game. The model knows. The model knows. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, well, that's our, that wraps up week six, um, for, for us. Um, as always, you can follow, you can follow us on Twitter. We're all there. Just check out uh, Stats Insider. Check out the tweets when we tweet out the podcast. We're all tagged in it. Um, and please check out statsinsider.com.au for all uh, for all bets. And uh, please listen on iTunes and, and send, th- send through some iTunes reviews because we really appreciate it. Um, until next time, we'll be back next week for Week 7.